Welcome back to Vikings Are Gay, the podcast that lifts the lid on the Vikings you think you know and reveals just how queer they are. I'm Amy Jifford Franks, and what an episode I have in store for you today. So last time we looked at Odin and explored the ways in which he demonstrates queerness in his gender and sexuality. So this week we're going to do Thor. Okay, so I'm not going to use this series to go through all the Norse gods and point out that they're all gay. For one, that simply isn't true. We can't say that all the Norse gods are gay as much as I'd probably love to. However, what we can do is look at narratives to see how ideas around and opposition to queerness were used. One of the prime examples of this is the narrative of Thrymskvida, or Thrym's poem. But first, let's talk about Thor, or Thor in Old Icelandic. Thor's name can be traced to many Old Germanic languages, appearing as Thunor in Old English, Donnar in Old High German, yes, like the reindeer, and these come from the common Germanic reconstructed word Thunraz. By reconstructed, we mean that we don't have evidence for this word, but linguists use multiple clever techniques to trace back what the word would have looked like. And what would Thunraz have meant? Thunder. We have evidence that Thor existed in some form from pretty early on. A piece of jewellery called a fibula from 7th century Bavaria has the name Thunnar inscribed on it, making it our earliest recorded instance of the name. He also appears in Old English texts as Thunor from the 8th century. Basically, this tells us that Thor is pretty damn old. Thor appears in the following poems of the poetic Edda. Völuspáu, Grímnismál, Skirnismál, Harbadsljóð, Hímiskvíða, Lokasenna, Thrymskvíða, Álvísmál and Hindlulóð. Thor is said to be the son of Óðin, seemingly with the Jötun or giantess called Jöð. We learn this from Lokasenna, where Thor is referred to as Jarðarbær, or Jörð's son. It is generally understood that Jörð is a representation of the earth. Thor is married to Sif, the goddess known for her long golden hair that is cut off by Loki in the Prosedda. Thor is well connected in the mythological world and is a central part of the wider mythological narratives. Thor is also known for his hammer, Mjölnir. The most well-known account for how Mjölnir came into being is from Snorri Sturluson's Prose Edda. Loki cuts off the hair of Thor's wife, Sif, and Thor is furious. Loki asks if he can go to the world of the dwarves to ask them to make Sif a new head of hair as they are master craftspeople. A group of dwarves are able to make this for Loki, and also make Skidbladnir, a mythological ship, and Gugnir, the ultimate spear. However, Loki, being Loki, isn't satisfied and has to make some trouble. He teases the brothers Brokkur and Sindri, betting his head that they could never make anything as wonderful as the items that the other dwarves, the sons of Ivaldi, made. So they take up the challenge. First, Sindri puts a pigskin in the fire and tells Brokkur to work the bellows until he comes back. Loki turns into a fly and bites Brokkur on the arm to try and sabotage the brothers. But when Sindri returns, they have been successful and they have created a live boar with golden hair which 
comes to be called Gutlinbursti. He even shines in the dark and is a remarkable runner in air and in water. After this, Sindri puts some gold in the fire and Brokkr works the bellows again. Loki, still being a fly, bites Brokkr's neck, this time much harder. The dwarves keep working regardless and produce Dripnir, a golden ring that, every ninth night, produces eight more golden rings of the same weight. Finally, Sindri puts some iron in the fire and Brokkr once again works the bellows. This time, Loki the fly bites Brokkr on the eyelid until he bleeds. Brokkr is forced to wipe the blood out of his eye, causing him to stop working the bellows momentarily. As a result, when they produce the hammer Mjolnir from the flames, it has a much shorter handle than anticipated. And this is why we so often see Mjolnir as a one-handed hammer. Loki takes these gifts back to the gods in Ausgather and hands them out, giving Mjolnir to Thor. However, Loki still owed the brothers his head. The dwarves approach Loki with knives, but Loki pointed out that he promised his head, not his neck, and therefore that voids their agreement entirely. In the end, Sindri and Brokkr agreed to let Loki go after sewing his lips shut. Mjolnir has often been interpreted as being a representation of Thor's masculinity. In large part, this seems to be due to scholars seeing it as being phallic in nature, as in being a little bit penis-like. I'm not sure a penis should look like a hammer, but okay. One of the other reasons for this is evident in our main focus for this episode, the poem Thrymskvida. In English, it goes like this. Furious was Thor when he awoke and missed his hammer. He shook his beard, he tossed his hair to and fro. Earth's sun began to grope about. And these were the very first words he spoke. Listen, Loki, to what I am saying. What no one knows, nowhere on earth, nor in heaven. The god has been robbed of his hammer. They went to the beautiful courts of Freya, and these were the very first words he spoke. Will you lend me, Freya, your feather shirt to see if I can find my hammer? Freya said, I'd give it to you even if it were made of gold. I'd lend it to you even if it were made of silver. Then Loki flew off, the feather shirt whistled, until he came outside the courts of the Aesir, and he came into giant land. Thrymur sat on a grave mound, lord of the ogres, plaiting golden collars for his bitches. He was trimming his horse's manes. Thrymur said, What's up with the Aesir? What's up with the elves? Why have you come alone to giant land? Bad news among the Aesir. Bad news among the elves. Have you hidden Thor's hammer? I have hidden Hrorothy's hammer, eight leagues under the earth. No man will ever take it back again, unless he brings me Freya as my wife. Then Loki flew off, the feather shirt whistled, until he came outside Giantland, and he came inside the court, the Aesir. He met Thor in the middle of the court, and these were the very first words he spoke. Have you had any success for your efforts? 
Tell me all the news while you're still in the air. The tales often escape the sitting man, and the man lying down barks out lies. It was an effort, and I've some success. Thrymur has your hammer, Lord of the Ogres. No man will ever take it from him again, unless he brings Freya as his wife. Then they went to see the beautiful Freya, and these were the very first words he spoke. Tie on yourself, Freya, a bridal headdress. We too shall drive to the land of the giants. Furious then was Freya, and snorted in rage. The whole hall of the Aesir trembled at that. The great necklace of Brisings fell from her. You'll know me to be the most man-mad of women if I drive with you to the land of the giants. Altogether the Aesir came in council, and all the Ausinir in consultation. And what they debated, those mighty gods, was how they should get back Lorelei's hammer. Then Heimdall said, the brightest of the gods, he knows the future, as do the Vanir too. Let's tie on Thor a bridal headdress, and let him wear the great necklace of Brisings. Let keys jingle by his side, and women's clothing fall down over his knees, and on his breast display jewels, and will put a pointed headdress properly on his head. Then Thor said, the vigorous god, The Aesir will call me perverse if I let you tie a bridal headdress on me. Then said Loki, Loifei's son, Be quiet, Thor, don't speak those words. The giants will be settling in Ausgadr unless you get the hammer back. Then they tied on Thor a bridal headdress and the great necklace of the Brisings. They let keys jingle by his side and women's clothing fall down over his knees and on his breast they displayed jewels and put a pointed headdress properly on his head. Then said Loki, Leifei's son, I'll go with you to be your maid. We too shall drive to Giantland. Quickly the goats were driven home, hurried into the harness. They were going to gallop fast. The mountains split asunder. The earth flamed with fire. Odin's son was driving to Giantland. Then said Thrymur, Lord of Ogres, Be upstanding, giants, and strew the benches. Now they are bringing me Freya as my wife, Njörd's daughter from Noatun. Gold-horned cows walk here in the yard, jet-black oxen to the giant's delight. Heaps I have of treasures, heaps I have of luxuries. Only Freya seems to be missing. They came together there early in the evening, and ale was bought for the giants. He ate one whole ox, ate salmon and all the dainties meant for women. Sif's husband drank three casks of mead. Then Thrymur, Lord of the Ogres. Where have you seen brides eat more ravenously? I've never seen any brides with a broader bite, nor any girls drink so much mead. The very shrewd maid sat before him. She found an answer to the giant's speech. Freya ate nothing for eight nights, so madly eager she was to come to Giantland. He bent under the headdress. He was keen to kiss her. Instead, he sprang back right along the hall. Why are Freya's eyes so terrifying? It seems to be fire is burning from them. 
The very shrewd maid sat before him. She found an answer to the giant's speech. Freya did not sleep for eight nights, so madly eager was she to come to giant land. In came the wretched sister of the giants. She dared ask for a gift from the bride. Let the red gold rings flow from your arms if you want to merit my love, my love and all my favour. Then said Thrymur, Lord of the Ogres, Bring in the hammer to sanctify the bride. Lay Mjolnir on the girl's lap. Consecrate us by the hand of Var. Hlorithi's heart laughed in his breast when he, in stern courage, raised the hammer. First he called Thrymur, Lord of the Ogres, and battered all the race of giants. He killed the old sister of the giants, she who'd asked for a gift from the bride. Striking she got instead of shillings, and hammer blows instead of heaps of rings. And so Odin's son got his hammer back. So what's going on in this poem? The summary is that Thor wakes up and his hammer Mjolnir has been stolen by the giant Thrymur. Thrymur says he will only return Thor's hammer if he can have Freya as a wife in return. The gods are reluctant to agree to this, and then Heimdallr offers a solution. They will dress Thor in women's clothing to look like Freya, and Thor will then escape once he has his hammer back. It's important to highlight that comedy is a central element to this poem. It seems to be aimed at making a mockery of the idea of Thor, the most masculine god, dressing up as a woman. It relies heavily on absurdity to tell this story. As I said at the start, I won't use this episode to argue that Thor is queer. That isn't what this poem is trying to tell us. Instead, it's interesting for us to think about the point of why this poem was told and the implications this has for our understanding of queer phobia in the Viking Age. Lots of attention is paid to the details used to make Thor appear as a woman. Key elements of Freya's clothing is repeated when the poem describes Thor dressed as a woman, which seems to act as a way to highlight to us the absurdity of the situation. This absurdity is increased when we see the descriptions of Thor's behaviour in Giantland. A feast is provided and Thor acts like himself. He eats a whole ox and eight salmon and all the dainty food meant for the women, and then he drinks a whole cask of mead. Thrymur questions this behaviour, seemingly declaring this as unladylike. Loki steps into the rescue and claims that Freya hasn't eaten for eight days as she was so excited to meet her new husband. Thrymur then questions why Freya's eyes are so frightening, to which Loki claims that she hadn't slept in that time either as she was so excited to come to Giantland. These claims help us paint a mental image of a muscular, burly Thor dressed in dainty feminine clothing, continuing to act like a brute. It reminds us that in this case, the idea of a man dresses a woman is a bizarre and laughable concept. In the last two episodes, we talked about the concept of ergi. Unsurprisingly, this comes up here too. After Heimdatler suggests dressing Thor as a woman, the next stanza says, Thou kvad thav Thor, thrudugur aus, mikmunu aisir agen katla, if ye bindas gleicht, 
Rudarlini. Or in English, Then said Thor, the vigorous god, The Aesir will call me Ergi if I let you tie a bridal headdress on me. Evidently, homo-trans-queer-phobia existed in the Viking Age. Thor resists the idea of being dressed as Freya, as it will make him Ergi, queer, which he doesn't want to be called. While this is, you know, a bit shit that the Vikings were queer-phobic, it does remind us that if queer-phobia existed, then queerness had to exist too. This mythological episode tells us just one of the ways queerness may have looked dressing outside of your assigned-at-birth category in much the same way that queerness can look today. Thor was not a queer god, but he engaged in behaviour that challenged what he was meant to do in Thrinskvida, and in doing so, this gives us an insight into what the perceived norms were at the time, and therefore how they could be broken. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vikings Are Gay. Find Vikings Are Gay on Twitter and Facebook. If you have any questions about the Vikings, tweet them using the hashtag VikingsRQ&A and I'll be answering all your burning questions at the end of the series. I've been Amy Jefferfranks, you've made it to the end of another podcast episode and I can't wait to tell you more. Be sure to tell your friends that the Vikings are gay.